Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more, and you can make money from your podcasts. It's everything you need to do to make a podcast in one place. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You don't tell a story out of a wound, but you tell a story out of your scar, meaning don't don't share a story when it's too fresh yes, and you yes. haven't fully healed and thought things yeah. through. Leadership is the exact same way. Yes, we all have battle scars, which make us better leaders, right? right? We all are riddled. In fact, I have a um, one of my cousins is a chef and he hires sous chefs based on how many scars they have on their hands. That's mm. what he does. He says, show me your hands. How many fingers? And those are the scars. And he's like, yep, you're the one for me. Because oh. if you don't have enough of those, you've not put enough time in. Mm. You've not, you've, you've not lived the experience that you need in order to be a great sous chef with the hands. That's it. And so I feel like leaders, it's the same way. We all have scars. We all come to out of battle with scars. But if we are leading out of our wounds, it's not healthy for anybody, not us, not the people that we're leading. But if we can lead out of our scars, if we can say, hey, by the way, note to the wise, you know, uh, heads up, this is happening. I think our people are better and we're better for it. Hey, hey, Mark P. Fisher, Chief Encourager with Inspiring Growth, where we inspire growth with leaders and their organizations. Thanks for dropping by today's podcast. Listen, today's conversation with comedian Amberly Neese reminds me of Muhammad Ali. Ugh, she floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee. She's funny, she's smart, she's an inspiring leader who shares her insights with humor, good story, golden nuggets of wisdom. By the way, Amberly is also a part of the Inspiring Growth speaking team. So if you have an event in need of a speaker who will bring joy to your audience, go to our website at inspiringgrowth.biz and click on speakers. One other episode side note, Amberly actually turns the tables on me at the end of our conversation. Amberly rapid fire asked me 10 questions from the popular TV show Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. Hope you enjoy that segment as well. Are you ready to laugh and gain some inspiring growth leadership nuggets? Then let's jump in. So Amberly. I am thrilled that you're in the studio via Zoom with me today from Prescott, Arizona. Indeed. I'm so glad to be here, Mark P. Fisher. All right, Emily, you have been doing some crazy on the road speaking for compassion. Talk to us a little bit about what that's all about. So I am actually on two comedy tours right now. One is called Marriage Date Night, which is a fantastic evening, three hours the couples come and get their hearts encouraged and their funny bones engaged. And it's fantastic. Johnny Diaz, Christian songwriter and performer. Amazing. I love that guy. And Leland Clausen, a comedian out of Canada. And the three of us, this kind of trifecta of crazy. But we uh, we come into church venues and encourage couples. And that is fantastic. I love that. And I'm on that tour, as well as the Aspire Women's Tour which is, again, same format, three hours in different a different city every night, where good Bible teaching and, uh, and fantastic worship and comedy. And I am blessed to say I'm part of that. And Compassion 
is a part of one of them and underwrites the other. It actually underwrites marriage date night. It allows us the opportunity to go into these venues and hopefully make a difference in the lives of other people. Well, what are the stories you're hearing from couples as a result of laughing and oh my crying gosh. And, and hearing some truth? Mark, it is amazing. It is amazing the the emails that I get later, you know, the Facebook messages uh, that people will send to me saying, I had one lady, the last one that I got set, this woman said, you know, there was no infidelity. We just were done. Mm. We just were done. We hadn't laughed together in so long. We just thought there was no hope. And after an evening of laughter and, um, and truth speaking, she said, we made an appointment with our pastor and we are on the road to reconciliation, which is, ah, it's so worth the going to the airport and going through TSA and, and flying to someplace, you know, um, foreign away from our families, uh, because for, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit used us. Woo. So good. Well, tell us some of the stories that you like to tell when you're uh, on these dates. Oh my gosh. Lord have mercy. Uh, well, obviously, uh, comedy is often based in, um, self-deprecating humor. So I often tell embarrassing stories about myself. Um, I think one of my favorites um, ha- went on YouTube and became um, certainly way before something like went viral, um, but more than my mother watched it, which is really exciting. <laughs> it was a story about when our daughter was young and uh, we took her to, it was so hot where we are living. So we took her to McDonald's to play on the playground. And I'm not a big McDonald's fan. I worked there when I was a kid, but uh, she was playing on the playground, having a great time. And my husband said, hey, baby, you want to do you want to split something? Cause I'm kind of hungry. And I said, sure. And I said, I'll order. Cause I used to work at McDonald's. So I know how to get hot food. So I walked up big Mac, no onions cut in half and a small fry. Cause we were on a diet. Right. And <laughs> which is hilarious. And a pickle bucket of diet Coke. We just, I know crazy. So we, we got the big diet Coke and the person put the tray down to start our order, which is good. Mick protocol took our money. The person was kind of struggling and I was kind of feeling bad for them. Um, but I, I was really frustrated when they put a filet of fish on the tray. And I was like, oh my gosh. However, something that was amazing, I heard the fry machine go off and I always order uh, fries with no salt and then add salt later because you get hot fries. Mm. But instead of the small fry, which I clearly ordered, they brought a supersized fry. So I'm like, okay, it's forgiven that you messed up on the sandwich. And so I thought, I'm just going to sit here and eat these because, I mean, this is a gift from the Lord that we got a supersized blessing when we only paid for a small fry, right? So I start munching on these and then I start, you know, taking a couple more. Um, and finally, you know, three at a time, I believe in celebrating the Trinity with everything you do, right? So there I am three at a time. I'm taking the skin off the roof of my mouth because these things are so hot, but I don't care because I'm just, there's grease. I'm exfoliating my face with grease and salt. I don't care. These things are so good. And then all of a sudden, the Mick employee picks up the tray and turns to the dining area to a person I've never seen before and says, sir, your order's ready. And I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> so when I, when I finally, like, when I finally got my bearings and the person came to pick up their order, I said, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. I'm afraid I've eaten some of your fries. And he says, oh, no, don't give it another thought. It was kind of funny watching you go at them. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So needless to say, uh, uh, I avoid McDonald's at all at all costs and afraid that security is gonna hunt me down. It's pretty crazy. But yes, so, I do love to tell that story of me because that is such a um a typical story of me where I don't always think things through to the final conclusion. I'm just kind of a 
live in the moment kind of person. And I was living in the moment and enjoying every bite. I offered him my small fries, but he wasn't going for it. But yep. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't take him either, but (laughs) well, a lot of uh, our listeners in inspiring growth tune in in part because of, of liking to hear stories of struggle that has led Mm -hmm. to growth. Mm -hmm. Tell us some of your stories of struggle that have led to growth. Oh, that's so, that's so good. I will tell you that when my husband and I were dating, his mom was getting a master's degree in psychology. Um, this is, this should have been a red flag, uh, but it, <laughs> it was not for me at the time, but she's getting a degree in psychology. And she asked me, she said, I have to do homework, but it can't be a family member. Would you, would you be willing to be part of some of my homework assignments? I said, sure. So she said, I'd like for you to take this piece of paper and draw a tree. And I said, oh gosh, I am the worst artist ever. And she says, it has nothing to do with your artistry. Just draw a tree. So I did this cool, I love like those cool gnarly trees with the neat roots, you know? Mm. And I love when they have a knot in the middle. I envision like a, an owl living there, but I had big old, big old, foliage on this tree and whatever. And when I was done, she said, Ooh, this is fantastic. You know, you put it in the middle of the paper, which shows balance. And you've obviously lots of, um, lots of foliage, lots of leaves on this tree. And I'm thinking it looks like eighties hair. I mean, like I loved this, right. This, this tree was like me. And she said in good root system, that's great. And she said, but if this tree is you, what's the knot? Mm. And it was like Barbara Walters special, man. I just turned it off. I mean, the tears just came and I said, I'm sure it was my parents' divorce. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, Mark, the amazing thing about being a leader is recognizing that those knots in our life are incredible reservoirs of wisdom for the people that we serve alongside. If we're willing to like open those knots up and, and get down to what that looks like, I think, oh, we get to give comfort to others out of the comfort we have received in those knots. I think that's that's huge. So Brene Brown is uh, someone you admire. Love her. She doesn't know it yet, but we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard it said that vulnerability breeds vulnerability. When you said to your not yet mother-in-law, yeah, that big knot might have been my parents' divorce. That was pretty vulnerable. It was. I mean, big time vulnerable. Yes. Was it reciprocated? Or was she just doing schoolwork? She was just doing schoolwork. And that was not the relationship she and I ever had. I'm sad to say. Okay. Uh, No. And she was in psychology mode. She was in Mm -hmm. counselor mode. She was not in, she was not in peer mode at all. So she connected with you and you were vulnerable with your story in the knot. Uh, But it didn't, it wasn't reciprocated. That wasn't the point. I was just curious whether or not. No, but I will tell you, Mark, when it came to speaking, especially when it came to students, there was a, there was a season in my life. I spoke to mostly to students. Guess what part of my life they could most relate to. It was my not, the not, you know, their, their dysfunction in their home, their brokenness in their home, their whatever brought more fruit than any strength I ever brought. When, when the apostle Paul says that Christ is perfected in his weakness, right? He sets up tent in his, in, in Paul's weakness, that's what he does with our lives, with our narrative. He sets up tents in those crazy places. And you think, you know, if I'm going to set up a tent, I want it to be like perfect ground, no rocks, no issues. I want flat ground. When Jesus sets up a tent, he wants to set up a tent in our weakness, in the, in the grossest, in the most uneven parts of our lives. And that's where he's going to, he's going to do amazing work because mm. we get to the end of us. Mm. So, um, there've been other knots in my life. I'm kind of, you know, um, I was going to say I'm naughty, but that's like, that sounds <laughs> terrible. But, um, but I, I do have a lot of knots and, uh, 
it's been a, it's been interesting as I've grown um, in my leadership to see how those get used to to encourage the people I work with. When you're out uh, doing Aspire tours, think about some stories that you like to tell that really are side splitting truth. So, Mark, you may not know this, but I this is going to be a big year for me, 2019, because I turned 50 this year, uh, which is crazy. Welcome to the club. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, look, I'm looking forward to my um, membership and the handshake. I can't wait to learn the handshake. But um, <laughs> I have to tell you, now that I've gotten to this stage, I feel like, yes, there's so much to celebrate. There's so many things to be excited about, but there's also some things that I miss. Um, like I miss my eyesight, you know, I miss being able to see things clearly. <laughs> I, when my, when anybody hands me a phone, I feel like I'm a trombone player. My arms go back and forth and back and forth to try to find, you know, where I can see things. But I've also started thinking maybe that's God's protection. I mean, really at this stage of my life, I'm not sure I'm much to look at. So maybe it's just <laughs> kind of his protection. Also, I miss, and I'm sure you can't relate to this, but Mark, I miss driving without tweezers. I miss driving without tweezers. Um, I will be honest with you. Uh, the scripture says that God knows every hair on my head, but I didn't know that late in my forties, that would include my chin. Like I, it is crazy. Like there it's, it's so ridiculous to me that I, I feel like overnight, if I try to grow out my bangs, it takes months. <laughs> right. But overnight I'm like Billy goats gruff. I look like ZZ top. If I go too long without tweezers and I, and I miss it. So recently I went to um, Southern California and I was early to a gig. So I thought, Oh, I'll just go and get my, uh, my a pedicure. I'll get my nails done. This will be great. And I walk into this place and it's like the most beautiful collection of women I've ever seen in my life. They are all genetically perfect. They're all sample size human beings. Right. And, um, English is not necessarily their first language, but what they're saying sounds so melodic. So I'm in right. And, um, so the lady's taking care of my feet, which is always so humbling anyway. And this, her boss comes over and she says, uh, uh, can I, uh, you want me to take care of your mustache? Oh no. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I, you know, Mark, you can't win at that point. You're like, uh, no, I like it the way it is. I've been trying to grow it out or like, I just, it was terrible. So I said, no, no, that's okay. I mean, I'm devastated. I'm like, no, no, that's okay. And she says, oh, does your husband like your mustache? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another one. He can't win. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's but a great salesperson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But for me, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm Italian. I get it. I have a, I have a mustache, but I miss, I miss driving without tweezers. Mm. Um, I also miss finishing sentences without the use of hand motions. Uh, I mean, I used to get frustrated at, at people in my life who couldn't, it's like they couldn't articulate their thoughts in a linear fashion. They always had to, you know, it's over by the, I left it at the, you know, the, there's the, oh gosh, what's that store with the, with the blue sign. And I'm like, Walmart. And they're like, yes, Walmart. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I hope I never <laughs> get there. And yet I am. I say to my kids, um, it's in the, it's the, it's the, you know, the movie thing with the beep beep. And they're like, the van. I'm like, yes, yes, the van. See, my kids are brilliant. Uh, my kids are super smart. In fact, I, I have to say, I used to be smart. I used to use big, impressive words when I spoke. I could, I could finish the sentence without hand motions. And then I had children. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not blaming them, mm -hmm. but I have a theory. I think the reason that that pediatricians call breast milk brain food 
is that I literally donated my brains to my kids because they oh. are brilliant and I am dumb as a stick. Uh, mm. So that is my theory. So I miss finishing sentences. I also miss small sneezes. Oh my gosh, Mark, when I was young, so I had the cutest pew, 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 and now, ah, you know, I mean, like it's, it's huge. And something I did not know now that I'm 49, I'm figuring out, you know, when we were kids or some, some parents would teach the kids songs like the neck bones connected to the shoulder bone, shoulder bones connected to the arm bone. Yeah. I did not know until I turned this age that the sneeze bone is directly connected to my bladder bone. I mean, it's bad. I mean, directly. I mean, speaking of that, uh, there was a time when I, when I talk about pulling an all nighter, when I was a kid an all nighter meant we stayed up all night and watched movies and ate pizza. Right. And an all nighter in college meant either you were studying all night or you were Mm. enjoying the company of your friends all night. But at 49 an all nighter means I've gone the whole night without getting up to pee. That is an all nighter. And I miss (laughs) it. I miss it. So, yep, 49 is glamorous. Uh, Those of you who are young, I'm so sorry. I have no encouragement for you. It's just going to get more and more awesome as you you grow. So, there it is. So good. Now, have you you been getting the AARP card solicitations? Oh, yes, sir. And I don't know whether to wear them as a badge of courage or to put them in the uh, fire pile, which is what pretty much what I've done. I thought, how dare you? And then I think, eh, it's not too far away. I can assure you, I use them to my benefit now. For one year, I was a member and then it expired, but I kept that card. So I pull it out whenever I can. <laughs> well, I will tell you that one thing I can say is when I was a kid, I used to get hurt doing things that were epic. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I, like, oh, I was skiing down a black diamond or I was, you know, rollerblading or I was whatever. Uh, now I get to a place where I, I feel like bed is a dangerous place. It's like, <laughs> man, I walk with a limp and people are like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, slip money. I mean, I just, when did bed become dangerous? But it does, <laughs> it does, it does. So use your AARP card and know I got your back, my brother. Well, it was funny. I, it was years ago, but I heard the uh, president of the AARP Association talking at some event. I can't remember what the details were, but he basically was joking about how they can find you when you turn a certain age. Whether well, I don't know if it's 45, they start sending it to you, or 48 mm-hmm. or 49. And, mm-hmm. and he says, listen, as soon as Obama, Osama bin Laden turns 45, we will find him. <laughs> If anyone can, we will find him. We will find him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your leadership. You know, you, you, not only do you speak around the country at all these events, inspiring and encouraging people, but you also do it boots on the ground. Uh, I do. I do. Talk about that. Who are you leading and how are you leading them in a way that helps them grow and, and, uh, and finds purpose and, and, uh, Talk, talk well, a little you. bit about that. Yeah. So I am the chief experience officer at a busy Christian camp here in Prescott. Uh, UCYC is its name. And uh, I love that, which means I oversee, essentially, I oversee the departments that are the first line of service for guests. And I was in education for a zillion years. Uh, so I did leadership, but it looked different. And this has been such an exciting ride for me because I get to serve alongside people, first of all, that I just respect the stuffing out of, but we get to learn together. And, uh, 
if you can see my board behind me, there's actually, it's a reminder to myself, I'm a guide. Mm. So don't, gu- don't, don't lead people, guide them. Like be a Sherpa, mm. uh, be the person that um, lives a life of integrity, walk with humility, um, learn, be, a, be an, a, a lifelong learner, and then allow people the opportunity, encourage them to join you in the, in the walk, in the journey. So, um, I love that. I've, I feel like I've grown a ton, um, in the, in the past couple of years. Yeah. I see the board and lots of colors on the board. Talk about some of the people that have influenced you on your own journey, authors, speakers, friends, leaders, other leaders. What have they said to you or what are the influences they've had on you? I had some fantastic teachers in school. I had some not so fantastic teachers in school. Um, I had a fifth grade teacher. First of all, I was 5'10 in fifth grade. Can you imagine? I was giant. It was like, hello, I'm in the fifth grade and I will squish you. I like a bog. I mean, I was ginormous. And of course, in fifth grade, all the boys are like, you know, sample size. They are just these little teeny uh, humans. So I was gargantuan. Uh, But uh, I've always had a big personality and I had um, a teacher who pulled me aside right before our Christmas program. This is when, you know, like public schools did Christmas programs, but she pulled me aside and she said, do yourself a favor. Don't ever sing out loud. So I mouthed the words through that program and I mouthed in public. Like I just mouthed the words because I love music. I get in my car and I would rock. I mean, I, you know, Van Halen on full volume. Um, and, uh, I think too often we listen to those, we listen to those voices Mm -hmm. um, in our heads that say, you can't do this. You know, people that come alongside us. I read recently a quote that said, and I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who said this, but they said in the movie of your life, do not give a speaking part to the haters. Mm. Mrs. Fowl, wherever you are, um, my fifth grade teacher, I sent her a letter, um, the letter I copied the letter that when I got to college and I was on vocal scholarship, I sent her a letter and said, please be careful of the power you wield in the lives of students because I was quiet. I was silent for almost, you know, 10 years. I think that response. I did not. And that's okay. I'm sure it was hard to hear. I'm sure she didn't even remember me, but I remembered her. You know, every time a song would come on, I would remember her. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I also have had some amazing uh, teachers. I had a teacher in in high school that would give me books to read outside of class. He would say, I think you'd really like this. And I think you'd really like this. And he told me uh, that, um, that I have this innate skill to woo people. This was way before Strengths Finders. But I have woo. And he said, your lifelong challenge will be to woo people to things that are positive because you have this, you know, you do have this thing about you. Um, And at the time, I just remember thinking, that's weird. I can't, I don't know what he's talking about. Nobody's following me anywhere. Um, And yet I, you know, I think that was his way of saying, you have, I see leadership potential in you. Mm. Isn't it amazing someone can see something in us and believes in us before we believe in ourselves? Yes. The power that has. Oh, absolutely. And how cool is it, Mark, that you and I have people in our lives that we've been able to say, hey, just so you know, I see you. Mm -hmm. I see this in you. And 
there have been times that people say, you get so much out of the people that you work alongside. How does that work? And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's because I believe in them mm-hmm. and they know it. And so they, they, they want to, um, they want to live the vision that I, that God has given me for them. You know, like it's, it's pretty, it's awe uh, inspiring actually. When you think about the fact that we have this power as leaders. I, I want to make a statement, but I want you to be thinking about this question. And that is, uh, what do you do when you believe in someone and they don't live mm-hmm. up to it? But I, I, the data is showing, and I've, I've, I've read some of this and I've, I've heard it said that our self-image is oftentimes developed by what the most important person in our life thinks about us. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. The most important person. So we, we ascribe value to people, whether it's parents or mentors or coaches, but really when we think about how we think about ourselves, we, we are shaped by those positive voices and negative voices. So, um, recently on a, another podcast, I know it's probably crushing to you that I listen to another podcast, <laughs> but I do, uh, Glad you do. He, okay. Ian Cron's typology, uh, he often has Great amazing, podcast. yeah, I love it. Um, you may have actually introduced me to it, but he often has amazing guests, but one particular one fairly recently, he had no, he had no guest. It was just him kind of pontificating about the Enneagram. And he talked about the fact that oftentimes our Enneagram number is based upon the lies we've been told and the lies we perpetuate. Mm. So I might be Mm. a two because I love people and I want to do my best to um, support them, but a two is a helper. And it's very possible that that's what I was affirmed with all my life as a, you know, I was an old, the eldest child. So, oh, mommy's little helper. And you're so helpful. She's such a good helper. And Somewhere along the line, I bought that story that that's who I am. That's not mm. who I am, mm. but that's the story I bought, and that's the story I perpetuate. Mm. So even as a leader, I struggle because sometimes I help too much. Mm. You know what I mean? Again, yeah. guide. I love the people I work alongside, and I want them to be successful. But as a mother and as a leader, that's where I struggle with the most, is letting people have enough space to fall. Mm. Um, so that their story is true, that they're not just perpetuating a lie that they've been sold and that they're not living untruth. Yeah. So think about some of those young mentees that you have led and you believed in them, you gave them your trust, you gave them an assignment and they dropped the ball. They, they, Mm. they fell short. How, how can you think of an example or two of where this has happened and how you may have guided them well, or maybe not so well? There's a couple that I can think of. One is the beauty of setting the bar high and expecting great things of your employees is oftentimes they will want to rise to that occasion. Mm. The hard part is sometimes when they drop the ball, they don't want to revisit with you because they're, they, they know they've not only let themselves down, they've let you down. So there have been, uh, disconnections in leadership when they have not been vulnerable enough to say, uh, blew it party of one. But I, the majority, because I, I do believe that I lead with vulnerability. I do believe that I'm the first one to say, I think you're the one who has at the byline of his email, the AW Tozer, never trust a leader without a limp. I'm the first one to say broken party of one, you Mm -hmm. know, and trying my best party of one. So the majority, the vast majority, when a ball gets dropped, when a, when a failure happens, they come to me. And so 
what can I do? Well, I can show them the grace that leaders in my, you know, in my uh, arena have shown me over and over again. But grace, grace space is awesome. But grace space alone, grace without truth is not helpful. So helping them walk through what would you do differently? I do this with my kids all the time. And in fact, they, it just become that thing. You know how sometimes when parents say something over and over again, the kids are mouthing it in the back yeah. seat, right? Yeah, so sure. this is what my kids yeah. mouth when they talk about, you know, a, a challenge in the day. I say, what would you do differently? And, um, and that's a great conversation. What would you do differently? Because instead of, Hey, this is how I would do it differently. If you leave with what would you do differently? You get to see where they are in the process. It really is a great litmus test for have they learned? Mm -hmm. Are they, you know, do they have a plan? Have they thought through enough how to change what this looks like? Um, and so part of that is just letting them own that part of their story Mm -hmm. and then helping them figure out what is the next step. If, that that story is not the one they're happy with. You know, that reminds me of the difference between telling and asking mm. and what happens in re- between us in relationship. When we tell somebody what we think or want them to do, what does it do? It creates resistance or defensiveness. But when we ask like you do, what, what would you do differently? It creates connection and relationship. Mm. I agree. Questions have a way of creating that learning path for a person yep they will go down with curiosity absolutely yeah hey i really hope you're enjoying my conversation with amberly niece if you are interested in having amberly speak at one of your events maybe it's a retreat or a corporate event where you just want to bring some joy and some humor and insight jump over to our website at inspiringgrowth.biz. That's inspiringgrowth.biz and click on the link speakers. Find out more about Amber Lee and how you can book her for your next event. Let's jump back into the podcast with Amber Lee Neese. Again, Mark, I'm so blessed that I get to call you friend. But one of the things that you told me at one time about the differences between telling a story out of our scars Mm. and telling a story out of our wounds. Yeah. The same is true of leadership. So this is what you said to me. You don't tell a story out of a wound, but you tell a story out of your scar. Meaning don't don't share a story when it's too fresh and you haven't fully healed and thought things through. Leadership is the exact same way. Yes, we all have battle scars, which make us better leaders, right? right? We all are riddled. In fact, I have a, um, one of my cousins is a chef and he hires sous chefs based on how many scars they have on their hands. That's mm. what he does. He says, show me your hands. How many fingers? And those are, are the scars. And he's like, yep, you're the one for me. Cause oh, if you don't wow. have enough of those, you've not put enough time in. Mm. You've not, you've, you've not lived the experience that you need in order to be a great sous chef uh, with the hands. That's it. And so I feel like leaders, it's the same way. We all have scars. We all come to uh, out of battle with scars. But if we are leading out of our wounds, it's not healthy for anybody, not us, not the people that we're leading. But if we can lead out of our scars, if we can say, hey, by the way, note to the wise, you know, uh, heads up, this is happening. I think our people are better and we're better for it. So good. So, so good. I was guiding a friend who had gone through a really, really tough time, broke up marriage. It was about three years ago. And as I was asking her questions about the things that she had learned, I could tell she was speaking from this level of strength. Mm. Later that week, I was talking to a friend who also had gone through a divorce 
And the way he was talking about it was this beaten down. It, it was as if there was a festering wound that flies were on it and it smelled like poison. Yep. And it was so clear to me that as we all get hurt, we all are wounded, we all wound other people. There's a whole lot in that that we could talk about it. But the strength I felt from the scar compared to the kind of repulsion that I felt from the wound. I mean, there was yes. empathy. There was some empathy. Was so dramatic. And I, I love how you you talk about this sous chef example. Like, hey, show me your scars. Wait, is that an open wound? Get out of my kitchen! Exactly. Because it's not healthy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Not for anybody. Nope, not for anybody. Not for anybody. So Mark, uh, obviously you inspire growth in a ton of businesses and I have some ideas for you. Are you ready? Oh, oh dear. Okay. I think that gyms, I love to go to the gym actually, uh, but my gym is missing out on some business opportunities. So I'm just going to, this is a free gift to you. All right. So here it is. Um, so I think uh, gyms should, uh, should open a restaurant in the same place. Oh. I think combining food and exercise would be brilliant. Hear me out. Okay. Instead of Froyo, how about fro yoga, right? I mean, like that would be so good. Little downward facing sprinkles, right? So good. Okay. Instead of just lattes, right? Pilates yeah. and lattes. So it's Pilates. I just think that would be lattes. so good. Okay. But here's my favorite as an Italian. This is my favorite. Instead of just CrossFit, right? CrossFit mm -hmm. is so big. Instead of just CrossFit, how about CrossFit Achini Alfredo, right? <laughs> I think that it would be brilliant. I think it would be amazing. Included in your membership. I exactly. Hello, Dolly. I think I signed me up. Work hard because you just ate a bunch. I know. I, I exactly, exactly. So, so I think I'm just saying. So you're you're welcome to to use that uh, to inspire the the gyms you're working alongside as they That's do good. growth. You ever notice how CrossFit people are so fanatical? Oh, they like, totally are. I was with a guy recently, just met him, and like it was the first thing he talked about. Oh, yeah, I got to cross it four times a week, and I'll do this. Mm -hmm. Wow. Have you ever done it? I did it once. I was injured for months afterwards. I couldn't move. Oh, no. No, I wasn't literally injured. I was, it just hurt my body. It was oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, they do burpees in yeah. CrossFit, and I just think there's something unbiblical. I think it, there's something in Ephesians about thou shalt not. Do stupid stuff. And so I just, I'm against it. <laughs> it's true. I'm more um, like Slurpees. Slurpees, not burpees. That's what I say. All right. So when you speak, what, mm -hmm. what are some of the topics that you like to speak on? I like to, you're talking about like a retreats when I speak at retreats. Yeah. If you, when you do retreats, because one of the things Amberly does is weekend retreats for women, but mm -hmm. you also do standalone events, but like- what are the, what are some of the talks that you love 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 talking about? Oh my gosh, one that I love is I'm all about joy. I am a thousand percent about joy. I love joy, and I feel like most human beings don't do joy the way that we should. We think it's mm -hmm. happiness, bigger house, car, whatever it happens to be, knowing the right people, and joy is so much greater than that. And I think that that is, you know, really hard. Uh, I spoke with a gentleman in the gym this morning. He pretty much admitted to me, you know, yes, I, I believe in a higher power, but 
all the Christians in my life are just a disaster. And I was saying, yes, I know we are. We are a mess. That's why we need a messiah, right? Something greater, greater than ourselves. But I've, I also said to him, you're, you're right. We do a terrible job of PR in the Christian world, to be honest with you. Most Christians do a terrible job. Why? Because we're missing out on the joy. We're missing out on that abiding trust that God has our back and we need to have the back of others. We need to have our own back as well. And uh, I, I, you know, I said, you know, I, I'm so sorry that people have been unkind and, and inconsistent in their message, but guess what? That's why, that's why we need somebody greater than ourselves to save us. That's why we need Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I love to talk about joy. Um, when it comes to speaking at seminars, uh, especially when I'm talking to business leaders, I love talking about essentially how to use our weaknesses for strength, how to leverage those things. There are certain research that came out that says never, never focus on your weaknesses. You know, you really should put all your stuff in your strengths. And I get that. But that to me is like driving without a rear view mirror. You've got to have perspective of all things. And so oftentimes with business leaders, that's one of those things that we we diagnose what our weaknesses are and how we can essentially delegate to other people, empower other people to, to live in those areas. What do you say to a person that says, I lack joy? What's your three-point plan? <laughs> is there such thing as a three-point plan? I think part of it is perspective. I think we're given the opportunity to view things consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So part of it is perspective. Part of it is priorities. What is first in our lives? If we're first in our lives, we'll never be joyful. Mm. Even our families, if our families are first in our lives, we will never be joyful because you know what? Those are human beings and they're going to disappoint us, right? I have two teenagers, totally understand. Um, I heard a speaker say one time she felt like the reason that God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac when he was 12 because if he'd been 13, it would not have been <laughs> story a sacrifice, right? <laughs> I don't agree with that. I have I love my teenagers, but we have a choice every day to consider it pure joy, the stuff that's going on in our lives. So part of it is perspective, part of it is priorities, and part of it is purpose. We've got to recognize that we have a purpose and we will be better employees when we're purposeful. We will be better human beings when we're purposeful. And we will live with joy when we know that we have a greater purpose than just get up out of bed and go through the drudgery of the day. Mm. By the way, you're talking about your, your team. Thank you. That was easy to remember with three Ps. Thank you so much. But one of the things I've noticed about you as a mother mm -hmm. is how you have intentionally led your kids. Mm. And talk about this thing you do on their birthday. My kids' birthdays, we get to have, go and have lunch together. Again, I'm Italian, so we speak the the love language of food. I know Chapman totally missed with the five love, love languages, totally blew it when it came to missing out on food. But I take them out for lunch and we sit down and we talk about their goals for the next year mm. and how I can support them in helping them meet their goals. Mm. Do they actually engage in this conversation? Oh, a thousand percent, Mark. First of all, I think it's so encouraging to kids to have undivided attention of mom and dad. Yeah. So I don't have my... I don't have my phone out. I do have a pen and a pencil or a pen and a paper so I can kind of chronicle what they say, but no phone. I'm totally focused on them and to talk them through that. And it's been so fun. And then the next year, we do they like give a report of what happened? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I say, this is what happened. This is, these were your goals last year. How did this go? And sometimes in the year I'll say, so how's mm -hmm. that thing going? Mm -hmm. How's that, how's that 
marker that you wanted to to meet by this time? Because we do SMART goals, you know, the the old school SMART goals. SMART goals stand for S. Oh, specific, measurable. Uh, you are a mean man. Attainable. Attainable. R is... I'm sure all of your inspiring growth listeners totally yeah. know the they're, R. They're, they're all they're, screaming they're, at the they're screaming at the radio right now. Like, let you dorks. Um, timely is key, timely. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. smart goal. There so, it is. So whoever emails me with the R and smart, uh-huh. uh, I'm going to give them a free report on a growth report for them. What? Regardless oh, that's awesome. of their title. Typically, I only do it for CEOs and executive directors. But if you you send me an email with the R. I'll send you a link so that you can. So, um, so my absolute and complete stupidity has led to their success. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think you should take a bow. I think you should take a bow. Y'all are welcome. You're welcome. Listen, okay. the majority of my my uh, brilliant things that have happened are usually birthed out of a mistake, an error, or some oversight. That's beautiful. So, so yes, and it may be things like I would like to. My my son wanted to audition for a show. My son is super left brain, super mathematical, analytical. The rest of us are super right brain. In fact, my husband does tons of theater. My daughter wants to go to Broadway. So my very cerebral son, one of his goals last year was to audition for a show. Mm. And he did. I mean, it was mm. huge, but it just made it so much greater. Those things in their life that they've said, yes, I'd like to be intentional about this. Mm. And sometimes when we revisit them, they're like their mother when it comes to New Year's resolutions. They're like, yep. I wanted to do that, but that just didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah, it did not happen. But it's since they were little, since they were super young, I would take them out and say, what would you like to, what would you like for six years old to look like? What do you want to do when you're six? You know, what do you want to do when you're nine or 11? And now that they're 18 and 15, um, I love that they still think that way. And they get Mm. excited. They're like, I've been thinking about this. I'm so glad. I'm Mm. so glad. So as we come to a close, I want to give you an opportunity to ask me questions. This is mm-hmm. a new thing that I'm testing essentially is, Mark, you've been asking me a lot of questions. Can I ask you a few questions? Okay. So I get to, I get to be in the interviewer seat, which is oh. very exciting. All I've right. never done this before. So I'm going to steal from one of my favorite shows, a list of questions. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't think I've ever asked you these questions. So I'm so stoked to do this. This is from the show Inside the Actor's Studio. I haven't seen it. Okay. Oh, Mark Fisher. Okay. I'll find James it. Lipton is the host and he got this questionnaire from a French guy. In fact, uh, Will Farrell totally does an impression of, of James Lipton. Cause James Lipton will say, I got this questionnaire from the famous, <laughs> like it's this French name. And that's totally how Will Farrell does it. So here's the inside the actor studio. 10 questions. Are you ready? My friend? Oh man. 10 questions. All right. Boom. So, so great. Just can we do it in a second? Yeah. Ready? What is your favorite word? Fun. What is your least favorite word? Uh, Come here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What excites you? Um, Watching people come alive. Ooh, you're in the right business, aren't you, my friend? Okay. Mm. Uh, What turns you off? What do you, what do you really dislike? declarative certain arrogant things that I've found myself doing in the past that I didn't like about myself. Man. You're anti-Pharisee. Is that what you're saying? Uh, in, in the ancient Near East, that would be a, a good comparison. Okay. 
What sound do you love? Ooh, I love the sound of salt water air at my happy place in the Outer Banks going through my body as I look out over the surf. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. What sound do you hate, Mark? Eh, eh, eh. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, this is not for the faint of heart. What's your favorite curse word? Or when you're really mad, what do you love to say? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this awesome? You're welcome. Typically, I will say, <laughs> That way, no one, no one will be offended unless you know something. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that. What profession other than yours would you like to attempt? A paid travel writer. Ooh, I like that. Because I'm, I'm an amateur travel writer. I know. You're fantastic. Um, you have the spiritual gift of Yelp. I like that. Uh, <laughs> what, what profession would you absolutely not like to do? To be a reporter. Hmm. I was in I was in eleventh uh, grade, and our teacher said, "Go interview people you want to think you want to do a career in." And so I I thought I wanted to become a journalist or maybe mm -hmm. be a broadcast journalist. So I interviewed these newspaper, radio, and TV person, and at the end, he, I wrote it up kind of like factual, like this person said mm -hmm. this this. And at the end, my wise history teacher said, uh, "But what did you learn about yourself?" And I said, "Oh, pff, I know." I don't want to report the news. I want to make the news. Ooh. Oh, I <laughs> love that. Wow. Sassy all the way back then. That's good to know. Yeah, it's troublesome. Um, the question, according to Inside the Actor Studio, says, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you get there? Well done. Good. Mm, yes. I don't know if I'll hear it because I'm just a screw up. I'm a roller coaster guy, but that, that would be great to hear. I agree. I agree. It's good. That's my 10 questions. Oh, that was, well, that was fun. Right? Is that, that a great really question fun. here? Thank you. I totally love me. it. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So for the record, uh, my favorite curse word, it's not that I don't curse, but my favorite is actually to do like the uh, fiddly diddly von schmiddly. Like I do crazy. <laughs> you don't say Bob Saget? I don't, I don't say crumb cake. I mean, I don't, yeah, no, no Bob Saget, uh, but no. yes, that's my, that's my favorite. My kids will be like, wow, that was a good one. That, that was you. a good one, mom. <laughs> whoop, whoop. When I first heard my kids say Bob Saget, I was like, why are you calling on that TV guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Think about it, dad. And it yeah. took me a while. What's the best way that people can reach you, Amberly? Thank you for asking. So if it's social media, I, I'm not very creative in my name. So Your it's handle. Amberly Nice, comedian and speaker. <laughs> or on Facebook, or it's Amberly Nice for Twitter and for Insta. Um, so I would love for that to happen. I also have a website, www.amberlynice.com. I know that's super stretchy, but yes, amberlynice.com. I know. Uh, and uh, I would love to connect with people. Send them my way. I'd love to. Um, I'd love to hear their stories and find out how this podcast has been a blessing. Thank you, Amberly. It's good to be friends, and I'm grateful for the time you invested for our inspiring growth listeners. Sir, you are a blessing in my life, and you inspire growth in me. So it is my honor. Thank you. Wasn't that fun? I'm so glad you got to meet Amberlinis. Frankly, I feel like I got to introduce you to this up-and-coming A-list comedian before the rest of the world discovers her. 
And if you have an event in need of a speaker who will bring joy to your audience, like Amber Lee did to us on this podcast, go to our website at inspiringgrowth.biz and click on speakers. That's inspiringgrowth.biz. As you probably could tell, Amber Lee both charms and challenges audiences at women's and couples events, corporate and conference keynotes, fundraising banquets. If you need to put a smile on your folks' face, hire Amber Lee Neese. Comedian, speaker, you'll love her. Today's podcast is edited by Dylan Garvin with Studio D Podcast Productions. Thanks for listening. And if you're a leader wanting to grow your organization, reach out to me personally at inspiringgrowth.biz. Let's set up a video chat. I'm Mark P. Fisher, and remember, our best connections of growth with others happens when we're kind, when we're present, and when we ask good questions. 